0: Called Challenge 2.0. One holiday advertisement simply says, Shop, never stop. In home celebrating Christmas, critics say you can't see the Christmas tree for the piles, the forest of anxiously acquired gifts around the base. Christmas has become the most commercialized holiday in the United States. Americans spend some $600 billion annually. That's compared to $6 billion for Halloween, the second most commercialized holiday. What is lost by this focus on consumer spending, and are there alternatives? That then is the focus of this edition of Challenge 2.0. So as we discuss this topic, which we hear just in everyday conversation a great deal, uh, we're very fortunate to have with us Sister Loretta Schaff. Of the Sisters of St. Francis of Philadelphia, uh, Reverend Priscilla Paris Austin of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Seattle, and Reverend Terry Kylo, who undoubtedly you've seen here as Executive Director of our Paths to Understanding. Thank you, each of you, for joining us in this program. Thanks for
1: having us. Thanks for having
2: us.
0: Descartes was famously quoted as saying, I think therefore I am. Uh, It's been suggested that perhaps the modern day equivalent of that is I shop or I consume therefore I am. Is that an accurate uh, description of where we're at as a society these days?
2: I'd have to say absolutely. Um, We are, I believe, living in an age and a time when everything is about consumption, everything is about what we have, and our very identities are are shaped and um, named, at least, as being um, what it is we have and how it is we consume.
0: Jerry and Sister Loretta, what are your takes on that?
3: I would say that our primary religion today, you know, is the economy. And what it proposes is You know, why we get out of bed in the morning, what we're supposed to do during the day, what makes us acceptable or or effective members of society. And that is to be producers and consumers. You know, as producers, we got to produce as much as we can. And we kind of compete with each other about how much we make and we judge each other on that basis. We also judge each other, as Priscilla said, on on what we consume and how little we got it for. And so we're. it seems to me that we're constantly competing in this, what is essentially a de facto religion, because it tells us who we are as producers and consumers, and it tells us the way we're supposed to behave and, and kind of what we're supposed to strive for as human beings. Sister Loretta, what's your take on that?
1: I would hope this is not true, but it is. Um, that we are more than what we consume, uh, more than what we can buy. Um, I think it is a real challenge uh, in our society, culture today, um, to witness the other. Because there are some who are, uh, and I know personally, uh, people who are making choices to not to be this. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that that is what the real challenge is. And um, there there is movement and there are blogs and there are places where people are encouraging them to not be this way mm-hmm. and so you know I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt that my neighbor next door is not fully consumed by this mm-hmm. but by the make of their car <laughs> and so forth and so on it's like oh, my, you know, uh, my car is not that, but it doesn't matter to me. And yet the the, the neighbor that I have at the end of block is um, totally anti-consumerism.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think the constant assault, maybe that's too strong of a word, of marketing and advertisement that we see following on what you just said, Sister Loretta, um, makes it more difficult, as you said, to see the other and to see the needs, particularly at this season.
1: Um, Absolutely. Um, I was just with a group of women this morning that were doing a, a reflection, an Advent reflection, And some of them had some very, very significant things to say about that. And without them realizing what I was gonna do, someone just said, I will not let this season undo me. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm.
1: And I thought that was pretty significant. And she was talking about uh, consumerism. I will not let this season undo me. And, And I don't know if the pandemic is influencing this or not. On, on both extremes it's like oh I have learned I can do less or I have had less so i gotta make up for it mm-hmm. you know so uh, I think it's a very complex question
0: i'm also wondering about the need for immediate gratification uh, mm-hmm. maybe it's just me but it used to be the christmas decorations would pop up right around thanksgiving they started moving earlier and earlier before thanksgiving and now it seemed like at least in my neighborhood, they were popping up around Halloween. Have any of you witnessed that also? And what's your reaction to that?
2: I used to I used to tell my children that they were absolutely not allowed to even mention Christmas, much less bring out any decorations, until we were at least past the first week of Advent. Um, time exhaustion they're aging all of those things begins to kind of like the reality is like oh well if i don't if we don't do it now like the schedule that we have is going to prevent it from happening um you know we last year in the midst of the pandemic and and filming worship online and everything i had to have everything all of my christmas decorations up Mm -hmm. before thanksgiving so that i could film promos and video clips that were going to go into worship for advent mm-hmm. right like it was really it was very dis, it was very discombobulating for myself and my family my whole family was like why do we why are we one? Oh, this is why are we doing what the world does i don't understand but yeah it does happen like it does happen and um and it is this this you know, Scott Peck talks about that delayed gratification, you know, in the work that, you know, that classic, uh, the road less traveled and how, you know, like we are this. And so this is not new, right? Like this, this concept that we are a people who, who have difficulty with delayed gratification, right? But um, everything is is available so instantaneously, why would Christmas or Hanukkah or the whole holiday season not be available right now as well.
3: You know, Jeff, I think the, the, the reality is that, that Christmas as we know it today is a, has been manufactured essentially by the marketing industry, uh, trying to elicit desire from us for things and set expectations for what Christmas should be and how we can express love to each other as human beings. And we've kind of reduced how we express love to each other to the giving and receiving of gifts mm-hmm. during this time. I remember as a little kid, we were, um, we'd were we gone through a bankruptcy. It was a little bit tough. And I remember the dread of going back to school after Christmas because I didn't get very many gifts as a kid because we simply could not afford them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But during show and tell or during recess or in between classes, kids would be showing what they got. Mm-hmm. And what was happening there was... Um, was a kind of um, conversation about who was ideal in in the society, who had status in the society, and who did not. Mm-hmm. And I dreaded going back. And I and I think a lot of the expectations that people are are getting, um, you know, offered or being offered uh, to them in uh, in all the marketing really puts a lot of pressure on families. Really puts a lot of pressure on kids. Um, mm-hmm because the way we see each other and the way we see ourselves is kind of mediated uh, by uh, the kind of gifts that we receive and give.
0: Sister Loretta, I know you've done a lot of work uh, on college campuses. Uh, Did you see that sort of tension with some of the young people that you worked with?
1: Yes, Um, I had to really stop and think about it for a minute because um, I was a Catholic chaplain for 12 years at a college here. In, um, uh, in Portland. And I think what people forgot and have forgotten in working, but there are low income students who just do not have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, you know, you've got the senior who's driving a certain kind of car. And you've got someone else who uh, is wearing a pair of shoes that are about ready to fall off. Mm-hmm. And yet they're still there. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I I did see that on a college campus. And as a chaplain, trying to invite them into looking at things differently was very challenging. Mm-hmm. Very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to make a comment, and, and maybe it's just Uh, my perspective in the the kind of work that I do, and and we're all into spiritual ministry here. Um, When I see people putting up the lights in my neighborhood, um, I, I really didn't see it as gratification, but it probably could be. But I, I think it's very symbolic of something that people may not be aware of. And that's there's a real inner longing. And we want to stave off the darkness. So let's put up the lights because yeah. we don't want to be in the dark. And sometimes I'm, I'm wondering, is it, is it symbolic of something that is much deeper in the human spirit that they are unable to articulate? Mm-hmm the very fact
2: that we don't know how to embrace the darkness, Mm -hmm. that we don't recognize that, that darkness is the place of the womb and birth and the place out of which chaos and creation even began, I think is part of the problem, right? Like that we don't see, we don't see the value in the grieving in the morning.
3: Mm-hmm. I think in my neighborhood, um, people have been pretty disconnected from each other and there've been reasons why that's the case. So over the last couple of years, I've gone around and have met everybody. I'm now the president of the homeowners association. I, I go around and talk to people, um, and, uh, and I'm getting them to know each other a little mm-hmm. bit. And so we began to put up Christmas lights, um, not because I wanted to get up on the roof and do that. I really don't enjoy that too much. But because I wanted to show the neighborhood that we could um, have some esprit de corps, that we could have a sense of community, because you know the, the lights I put up weren't just for me. Mm-hmm. They, they were kind of for us. And they were a way to counteract the gloom mm-hmm. of the season right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a, is, a, is a great word to use in this kind of context. There's a gloom of this time of year mm-hmm. that those lights can kind of push back on. And so what I'm striving for, though, with it isn't like, I'm going to put up 5,000 Christmas lights on my roof and outshine everyone else. I'm just going to put up some. And what's begun to happen is that other neighbors are beginning to put up a little bit of lights as they're able to do that. And I think that gets back to what we're longing for, which both Priscilla and, and Sister Loretta have talked about, which is we long for connection, for meaning, you know, and for our basic needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do need the connection of relationship to each other, to our families, and to express love in lots of different ways. You know, We do need a sense of like, what's gonna be meaningful to me on my deathbed? Mm-hmm. What am I gonna look back on in gratitude and, and be happy that I did that? Um, it's going to be people. It's going to be how I served other folk. Um, and, and I think what's happened in our culture to some degree, Jeff, is that we have reduced meaning and community down mm-hmm. uh, into just simply getting, meeting basic needs and, and meeting an, ex, an extravagant sense of mm-hmm. basic need. And because during the pandemic we weren't able to relate as much, we're kind of hungry for it. But I think some people have realized like, hey, we don't have to live like this anymore. You know, maybe it's not worth the, this, this rat race of consumerism is not really worth my life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really provide what I, what I deeply am longing for. And so I hope that while some have tipped further into it, others of us have begun to say, hey, wait a minute, let's spend some time in building community. Let's spend some time doing what's meaningful as well as honoring the fact that everyone has basic needs that, that deserve to be met.
0: Very often when you watch various programs on television, uh, they will highlight the sort of bringing people together. Is that maybe an alternative that we need to explore more, not only at this time of the year, but all times of the year? In terms of you know the ideal of connection, how much is that not happening, mm-hmm. and how might we make that happen more frequently? both within the context of Advent and Christmas and also the rest of the year. Priscilla, what are your observations about that?
2: You know, I think that there are um, the long the ways in which we long to be together, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, creator whichever creation story you draw upon right whether it be from the judeo-christian tradition or or an indigenous katsatali tradition right it's the creator makes human beings to be in community with each other and creation Mm -hmm. and so being able to connect to that um is is vital right and in this time of year right um My family and um, and our congregation really um, dwells in in trying to 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 emphasize the value of the experience of the season, right over um, over whatever we're going to get. Right, Mm -hmm. think about what we're going to give. We think about how we can share our generosity, how we can when um, let those things flow out into the world. We think about what time we can spend together. Kind of also piggybacking on Terry's comment about his return to school after Christmas. Um, My entire life, um, my family has celebrated uh, Epiphany. Mm -hmm. And so when I returned from Christmas break, I wasn't done getting gifts. So it didn't matter that I didn't have the best gift, I was still getting gifts. Um, my household, you know, my kids get 12 days of Christmas and they're tokens, right? They're like, you know, small gifts, like you're going to get a hug from mom. You're going to get this, you know, dinner with dad. You're going to be able to to do this activity, right? Like they're not, you know, extravagant gifts. Um, you know, somewhere along the way, everybody gets a nice something, whatever. But, you know, like, but they're still getting stuff until January 6th and And it does sort of counter this sort of idea that Christmas is this day of mass consumption. Mm
0: -hmm. Terry, I know that you've observed that the Lord's Prayer contains some elements that are central really to this discussion we're having right now. Uh, Could you elaborate on that a little bit more?
3: To me, the Christmas story and the story of the incarnation says that all matter is infused with meaning and value. We don't have to think like Descartes uh, suggested. We don't have to consume. Uh, We don't have to be like Mike, right? We don't have to Mm -hmm. do anything or work for anything or consume anything in order to be. Mm -hmm. That that matter is filled and infused with meaning and value and beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's just so critical. And yet it is also true that we all have basic needs. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the Lord's Prayer, which Christians pray, you know, supposedly all the time, learning from Jesus, um, give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And notice that in stark contrast to Descartes or some of modern individualism, it says give us this day our daily bread. It's Mm -hmm. talking about the community, Mm -hmm. having enough food, clothing, water, housing, medical care. And, and, that, and that that's what we pray for. I don't just pray for my need. I pray for the need of my entire neighborhood, my community, my state, my world, mm-hmm. including the animals yes. and other forms of life on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've, we've lost some of that uh, after the Enlightenment told us that the individual is kind of all that matters mm-hmm. and that the only kind of meaning we can achieve is to get more stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think what that Christmas story is teaching me as I grow older, uh, within this tradition, is that I don't have to do or consume anything in order to, to experience the meaning and blessing of being alive. And that is a gift far greater. And so how can we pray that prayer more mindful of our connection to each other and, and honor the fact that we do have basic needs and do have nutritional needs? Uh, that's All that's good. All that's part of a good creation, which we believe our creator joined in Jesus in order to bless and to affirm and to love it.
0: Terry, I know you've been uh, very much involved in interfaith relations and helping people of different traditions appreciate each other as you have these discussions as you have these encounters do you see similar concerns in other faith traditions and perhaps some other approaches that might be of uh, value and of help
3: absolutely right and one of the beautiful things about the kind of multi-faith conversations that that we have is is to learn how many of the shared values uh that how many shared values we have it's really quite astounding. Like the in the Muslim tradition, for instance, um, there is a conversation that the poor have a right on the rich, mm-hmm. and that the rich have a responsibility to those who may find themselves to be poor in this moment. Um, our our Jewish neighbors are so incredibly um, so in, so incredibly well well spoken about the 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 goodness of creation and the goodness of every part of it. And in fact, even the goodness of God's invitation for us to steward it mm-hmm. and take care of it. And our, our Buddhist neighbors are really excellent at helping us to recognize that life is limited and that, there are, um, that everything changes. But that also is something that can be accepted and embraced as a part of, of our human experience. Mm-hmm. And so I have grown so much uh, deeper in my discipleship of Jesus as I've engaged with people of other traditions, because they've helped me see things and have a a, a holy envy for what their tradition does so well.
0: Sister Loretta, is a professed Franciscan, uh, simplicity is very much at the core uh, of what you do. Uh, How did you bring those uh, values into the way that you approach Christmas? And I think it might be interesting that perhaps One of the most known symbols of Christmas, at least within faith communities, originated within the Franciscan order. Maybe you could share that story with us as well.
1: Well, Francis of Assisi was mystic and Francis, in his relationship with God, realized that Uh, the gift of God's son, Jesus, was out of pure love, just out of pure love, not redemption, not sin, but as Franciscans, we believe that Jesus is the gift of love, not a gift of redemption, for redemption. And so Francis um, wanted so much to communicate what the father's love is all about in giving us the person becoming flesh and giving us Jesus is, is to, to create that original scripture story. And he happened to be in a little place in Italy, way up in the hills and the mountains called Greccio. And there uh, in a cave, he reproduced the Scriptural story of the birth of Jesus and that story and that enactment spread throughout the whole world. And Francis was the one who had this first Franciscan Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. we call it. Um, The simplicity of the story um, from the scriptures. Uh, is a lesson I think for all of us. And for us to remember that the word was made flesh and was placed in a manger of straw for an animal. Mm -hmm. How more more simple can you get than that? Mm -hmm. Um, So um, as Franciscans, uh, the incarnation, the birth of Christ is a very significant feast for us. For us, that is definitely uh, the, uh, the sign and the symbol of the greatest love that God has given us, and that is to have sent his son, the word became flesh. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, you asked about the Franciscan aspect of all of that. Um, simplicity and humility are part of the Franciscan charism. And so um, advent time or preparing for the feast of the incarnation um, is a call for us to remember that humility, remember that simplicity. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you become a less of a consumer because other things take precedence.
0: Well, this has been a very rich discussion. So I thank you, each of you very much and look forward to an opportunity that we'll have to engage in discussion on another topic sometime. So thank you each very much.
1: Well, a blessed season to each of you and to your families. Thank you very much. Peace, everybody.
3: Thank you, Jeff.
0: And thank you each of you for tuning in to Challenge 2.0 this week. We hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this program, found our conversations to be informative, entertaining, and thought-provoking, and the vision inspiring of people from different backgrounds who can disagree without being disagreeable, perhaps you might consider supporting our program with a contribution. Your support will not only help our program continue, it will also support the broader efforts of Past Understanding, our supporting parent nonprofit organization.